Hi, and welcome back to the best podcast in witness. <laughs> I would firstly like to give a huge special thank you and mention to the dance teachers that have messaged me on Instagram. I've never met these dance teachers before and they have inboxed me thanking me and explaining how helpful it's been for them as teachers listening to all the influential choreographers that we've had on the podcast and how much it's also helping the students which is a huge compliment and I just want to say thank you very much for listening ladies and I'm so glad that it's helping both yourselves and all of your students that's exactly why I'm doing this podcast and um, one of the teachers said that she'd like me to continue after lockdown well when we all go back which is at the moment we don't actually know the rules are ever-changing but for dance studios at the moment we're looking at September but if the community centres choose not to open then obviously we can't go back so we are very very lucky to have our online platform so we can practice we can learn we can thrive at home and not just in the studio. So on to this week's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting to one of my best friends, Jessica Morris. Jess is one of the directors of Funky Moves in London. Um, I met Jess about 10 years ago in India when I was working away. And we have a little chat today about the benefits of working abroad, the long hours, the amazing people that you meet, the ups and downs of being a performer and how hard it is working as a performer as well. Of course, I've thrown a few funny stories along the way, which I'm sure you'll all enjoy. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode as I feel it is something that I would like all of my students to experience whether that is dancing abroad or just traveling or working abroad, it completely changes your mindset and you do become independent almost overnight. Working abroad is so good for growth, learning about different cultures and of course seeing what the rest of the world has to offer. We also talk about Jess's recent yoga course in India just before lockdown and just simply breathing before reacting is the best way to cope with difficult situations that are thrown at us in everyday life. So enjoy the podcast. So hello Jessica Morris. Hello Sarah Royal. <laughs> <laughs> so shall I um, introduce you? Because oh, of... please do. Okay please then. Do. So Jess is one of my best friends. We met, was it 10 years ago? Oh God, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, maybe a little bit more, giving away our age. Yeah, I think it was 10. So about 10 years ago, we met in India and it was my first dance job and I'm not sure whether it was yours, Jess, but... Yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah. No way. So I was living there first in one of the little rooms and we were in this apartment. We basically lived just off a swamp exotic. <laughs> <laughs> and it was called, what was it called? Swapnaka? Yeah, Swapnaka, which is hilarious because it has the word swamp in it. <laughs> so we lived, there was like nine girls and we lived with Papu as well. So this Indian guy who basically... Um, we had a curfew every night. We had to be in by 11 and he was basically there to make sure that we were 
in at 11 and behaving ourselves, which of course we behaved, didn't we, Jess? Of course, all the time, <laughs> every day, yeah. <laughs> we were very rule abiding for the whole six months. <laughs> so I met Jess um, I think it was about a month into my contract I was there for six months and we just automatically clicked didn't we yeah we did um, and we've been friends ever since so yeah that's, that's us that's pretty much us so tell us Jess a little bit about you so about your college training and your um, I wanted you to speak as well about friendships in dance college and how intense it is, your relationship with your principal and just the, the everyday training really. So, yeah. Sure. So I trained at Millennium, which uh, is a musical theatre school, musical theatre college in London. Um, I went there wanting to be a West End superstar, as most people did. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> and I've, I've been dancing like most little dancing people since I was sort of three years old um, at my local school. And I was used to spend maybe like four nights of the week there um, doing classes. And then on Saturday, I'd spend my whole day there helping out in the morning with the little ones and then having our classes in the afternoon. Um, and my teacher, Miss Caroline, was basically like my second mother. If I wasn't at the my parents' house, I'd be with her, just sort of helping out with the kids and everything. So mm. and she just was in love with West End shows. And we'd always try and go up to London to see them, like all of us in a big group. Um, I think I saw We Are Rock You maybe six times, which is quite a lot for a Western <laughs> My mum was like, again? <laughs> Bet she um, was. Um, yeah, the expense. Good, good research. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she really sort of, uh, she had a few connections, I think, in Millennium, um, which didn't, didn't help me get the audition. It was ridiculously hard. Um, but luckily I got accepted. And then, yeah, three years of really intense intense college life and I remember uh Jackie who was one of the directors would sit us down on the first day and say if you have anything else that you want to do with your life go and do it now because this isn't for you if you have a backup plan then dancing shouldn't be your career like if you have anything else that you think you want to dedicate your time to um it's just not going to work I remember sitting there being like, oh, I mean, there's nothing that comes to mind, but I'm sure, <laughs> like, in future I might want to, I don't know, like, make stuff or I don't know. Uh, it's very much like you're either in 100% or you, there's there's no point. Even if you're 99%, there's just absolutely no point because it's such a tough world out there. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's really hard to explain to people because whilst all of your friends are well, all of my friends were going to uni, or some of them actually went straight into work, but most of them went to uni, and they were just getting really drunk, you know, meeting loads of people, um, having, you know, the best time of their lives, and us at college were doing 10-hour days, absolutely breaking our bodies, um, yeah. having to work as well, because we didn't get... Um, we didn't get any, like, government grants or anything, so everybody was working in the evenings, the weekends, Um so it was just, it was really full on. Yeah. And, but it was great though, a huge, like, as with anything like that, when you're pushed into a, 
uh, a place where loads of people are all on, you're all on the same page and you're all doing the same thing. There was a huge sense of like family and communities. Everyone was helping themselves. But the, the scariest thing is that people dropping like flies. People just either couldn't handle it. Have, yeah, you have one injury and that takes you out for maybe like I think I had shin splints and I thought that was going to be the end of me. Um, and I wasn't dancing for two months. And two months in the grand scheme of things is nothing. But in your three precious years of college, two months is a long time and you miss a lot. Mm. um so that was a bit exaggerated but it was great I mean I look back on it now with really fond memories but I remember like every day being quite petrified of being called out and I hated hated dancing in front of the mirror which is weird you I know I know (laughs) I know I vividly remember always standing at the front, because my eyesight was quite, quite bad, so I didn't want to wear glasses, so I had to be able to see the teacher, but I would always stand right on the end so that I wasn't in front of a mirror. Wow. I just, it, would, it would distract me from... I'd rather just sort of look into, look into a wall in front of me and imagine what I looked like and imagine where I was placing my body rather than actually physically looking at myself and being like, oh, God, I'm not doing that right. Everybody else looks better than me. <laughs> yeah, um, I would never have expected that from you. I know. You're really confident and but I didn't know yeah. you then, did I? I didn't know you back in the, the training days and I think we do, all of us were so hard on ourselves, aren't yes. we? Dancers. Well, it's all about aesthetics. Mm. It is all about aesthetics. I don't care what anyone says. Well, the dancing world, of course it's about aesthetics. It doesn't matter whether you're screaming inside or having an amazing time. If your body is in the exact right position that the choreographer wants it to be, you're there you've nailed it yeah so it was looking in a mirror and your body not being in the right position was it's just so disheartening and really distracting Mm. um so I always found that really hard and I was always quite quite a nervous kid uh, around new people and I didn't like to stand up and talk in front of anyone so standing up and singing at Millennium was really really hard and that would give like make it would make me shake like physically shake before I had to get up there just because I I just didn't didn't want to embarrass myself or you know sing a bum note or yeah. whatever. But it's always the the and you, uh, being nervous of something before it's happening. As soon as you get up there, you're fine. And with like like so many things, yeah, it, it's just the thought of it is actually scarier than actually doing it. Wow, I just did not expect that, you know, so do you think those three years, by the end of it, were you just like, do you know what, I don't actually give one anymore, I'm just gonna get up there, sing, (laughs) YOLO. YOLO, um, (laughs) do you know what, I think that although my training was very good, I had some incredible teachers, um, it was a bit down to politics, I think, sometimes, and I was in a Big, I started off in a big class, I think, of about 60 people, and it really, really went down to below 30. Mm. Um, but within that, there were the favourites. Of course there are, like, it's yeah. natural. And some people sort of got pushed by the wayside, myself included. Um, so I, I felt like that in uni, actually, that they have favourites. I definitely was just, not the favourite. When you're, when you're in college, like, you need... <laughs> as with like the universities and the schools they're prepping you for a real life situation it was it was normally yeah it was normally the kids that were the best it was nothing to do with how hard you were trying it was just with the most talented ones were the best ones and mm. those were the favorites and it was very very clear yeah um, and it was a bit annoying but i mean you just got to have the the outlook that i mean good for you 
Jess, you're not plump, but she never has been plump. She's got the longest I legs in the world. Hun. I have been plump. I've been plump. I've had my plump days. She's the tallest, most elegant. Elegant. That's right. I went there. I've seen you in those uh, those costumes, those sugar costumes in India. On New yeah, Year. Well, India, that's fine. Probably fat had gone by then. But <laughs> when I was younger... And I used to stuff biscuits into my pockets. That was a plump time for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard growing up being a dancer, though, isn't it? Because you're literally on show. You're in a tight leotard with, like, your boobs half hanging out. You know, this is why I try and sort of pick leotards that they're covering the kids' modesty. Because I, I remember being like, oh, looking back on videos and I had, like, strappy black leotards on that were really low. And I was like... Mum, why did you not tell me that my nipple was nearly out? <laughs> oh, it's like saying to someone, hey, listen, you're going to do a really fun job when you're older. You're going to be a dancer. But you basically have to wear swimwear yeah. the entire time. <laughs> you're like, even after I've had like a big lunch. Yeah, even after you've had a big lunch, you're going to have to get into a layer and tights. And the tights are pink. form of torture audition through Leanne? Um, no, I was actually quite jammy, I think. So I remember I just I just uh, graduated and it was it was December, twi- no, I, I can never remember the year, but it was, I know it was December because I have a Christmas tree up or it could have been earlier than that. Um, anyway, and I called Nicola, our lovely mutual friend Nicola, and she was in India baking hot and complaining on how hot it was and I was freezing in a house with no heating and I had a hat on and scarf and gloves in my living room and um that was it I was just like right where do I sign to get myself out to where you are never been to India before 
Never been to Southeast Asia. I'd only ever been to Europe with my family. I'd never been traveling by myself. To be honest with you, I'd never done anything by myself ever. Like never got a job by myself. I'd never walked into an establishment or never walked into an office or anything like that and gone, here's my CV. My name's Jess. Please hire me. It had always been through friends of friends of friends. I'd never ever got it by myself. So this this was no change. I got this through Nicola and she just put me in touch with Leanne. And then I was out within like three weeks, I think. So Leanne was in like an agency, wasn't she? She had her own agency yeah, which she used to send. Agent. I don't know if she's still going. I think so, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think so. So you'd send like your showreel off, wouldn't you? Or, yeah, you know, your headshot. Reel, headshot. Um, Unless you're Jess yeah. and you have people on the inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I actually have to send a showreel, but I'm pretty sure it was so bad. Um, and I'm almost certain I used um, a bit of footage that, w- that I wasn't in. But because it was such bad quality, you couldn't actually see whether it was me or not. It was just a blonde girl jumping around the stage. So I don't... And I, and I was... What, I remember watching the video and being like, well, this... I mean, I could do this. These moves aren't out of my reach. I could do these moves. So I might as well just say that's me. Yeah. Well, that's the difference between then and now, isn't it? Like, everyone's watched with every single last move and every every dance class that you take there's a phone there and I think oh God, yeah. I would hate that to be perfectly honest would you yeah and and now you can't get away with sending a showreel of somebody something that's not you dancing no um there's just I mean it's good because I think that people are getting hired through stuff like Instagram yeah. and um Facebook so there are I'm a, I'm really torn when it comes to like the dancers industry and the social media, um, it being helpful or not helpful. I think it just it totally comes down to what kind of person you are. Yeah. And if you're using it, if you if you see it as a tool for business and and yourself being the business and you know applying for castings and auditions and putting yourself out there in front of choreographers and stuff like that then it's an absolutely amazing tool especially if you're going to places like pineapple um and you know there's other london studios where they all they're always putting up videos of of classes yeah i think it can be great but yeah there's really nowhere to hide now especially if you're if you're putting up videos of yourself and that's you're applying for a a dance job and you're not what the director is looking for the choreographer is looking for you'll you'll definitely you definitely won't get it because you people have just got so much footage of themselves online now there's just nowhere to hide Mm, yeah it's just a different world now isn't it from when we were younger totally totally i think there's more people i don't know is there more people yeah yeah definitely the population's definitely grown but i think the the competition has grown because of the online platforms now yeah and i think i mean i i hope what's amazing about our generation oh my god how sad how old do i sound our generation <laughs> that people are doing all these side hustle stuff where they don't just have one job and they you know people are turning hobbies into careers um which is amazing and you know when we were when we were growing up all those years ago i remember like my i've still got aunties and uncles and grandparents now who were like do you actually have a job i'm like yes i run a dance company the dance company is my job it's not just any to them to like old farmers anything creative is not a job unless you have a physical office to go to and you're sat at a desktop it doesn't count as a job yeah Um, 
And so now, I think because people are so much more, are so used to creative people just absolutely killing it and doing and creating their own jobs and stuff, there's just there's more people who are encouraged to take the leap and not follow maybe their parents' footsteps if they've all got you know sort of normal jobs in air quotes. Yeah, I love great. that comment as well. By the way, like, is that is that your full time job? Like. Um, are you joking? Yes, yes, it's a it's a full time job. People just think dancing is not a job. They do, they do, and I'm really glad that you said that because we had a conversation before this phone call, didn't we, about what we've both been up to on Zoom and what we've been providing for the kids. And I said I, I did some lessons last night and I did like three trios and two solos, and Jess was like. Oh my god! How long did that take you? I was like, oh, <laughs> it takes so oh. long. I remember I did a duo like maybe a couple of years ago, and it was the first and last time that I choreographed <laughs> something for two people that only I have choreographed. It's too difficult. It's I don't so know hard. Well enough, I'm not doing it. It's yeah, horrible. and sometimes the kids look at me like, "Why do you not remember?" And I'm like, "Are you joking?" <laughs> <laughs> i'm like there's about a million routines and different things going on in my mind i can't remember sorry guys yeah but i always change things because i go oh no this looks better or we'll do it like this so it's just complete a a waste of time i plan all of my lessons and i write them down like bless one of my little um student helpers that sounded really patronized not little she's a grown-up individual now um, I was like, oh, can you please um, film the class from tonight and send it to me so I can <laughs> can carry on the routine for next week? Because it's just impossible to, one, remember it with all these routines going on in my head, and two, um, my writing skills are just insignificant because I change everything. Do you not do that? Yeah, I do, I've only just, since doing these online classes, I've had to write down my routines because I'm trying to plan them like a couple of days in advance. Normally what I'll do with classes and, I mean, doing dance classes, yoga classes, anything, I'll normally plan um, maybe like a couple of hours in advance just so it's like real fresh mm, in my yeah. head. And also, I, especially with the yoga classes, I'm very much like how how am I feeling today? What what day is it today? What's the weather like? You know, mm. taking into account all these other factors to try and give me a bit of inspiration for how I think other people want to move their bodies today. Yeah. So you can't really do that too far in advance. And if I now I'm doing it too far in advance, I'm going to have to write it down. But I, I'm like you, I end up changing so much that if I went back and looked at it, it's unrecognisable. Yeah, from the reason that actually came out of it. Yeah. Um, we're going off on tangents, right? So going back yeah, to India. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so right, tell us a little bit about India, like the money, the hours, the how unpredictable it was, like the dangers. Like we thought we were invincible, and we were only twenty-one, weren't we? I know, I know, I know. It's just that thing, you know. You look back at the time, you think you're so, you're so with it, and you're so grown up, and you kind of got this down. And then now, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I don't, I don't even have it down now. So I don't know how I thought I had it down twenty-one. Um, but yeah, so it was it was quite scary, I think, first arriving in India. Mm. Um, I'm sure you had the same, having not been to anywhere like it before. It's just, especially coming into Bombay, where there's just poverty everywhere. And it is loud, and it is smelly, and it is hotter than the sun. Yeah. Um, there's just so much to see. You just, it's a, it, it's just, there's, there's just everything going on. You don't know where to look. 
Um, but the I got thrown in at the deep end, I think. So I had to do... No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I did. We first went off on our shoot together, didn't we? And it was like... I mean, on average, what, what, how long were we there, were we there for each day? Maybe like 10, 12 hours a day we were doing? Yeah, yeah. That was but just normal, wasn't it? Just totally normal. And, and what's the... What was harder, I think, than actually doing non-stop activity is having to get up really early, like get all of your makeup done, all of your, have your being like shoehorned into tiny costumes that are not made for <laughs> Western women. But like the sequins scratch your bum, you can't do your zip up at the back, your boobs are falling out the front because they're actually not made for us. They were made for these like amazingly sweet like Indian dancers who are so tiny. Um, and we had like shoes that were size 12. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> they, they weren't, they weren't, I'm sure they're much better now with stuff like that, but they weren't really prepared for the Amazonian women of this world. <laughs> um, and then we had to sort of like get up, be, be on set, like quick, quick, quick. And that's always what I remember is them being like, quick, quick, jelly, 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 like quick, 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 everybody on set. You'd literally like drop everything, run like the wind down to set, and then you'd be there for three hours not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just the miscommunication between director, choreographer, assistant director, producer, runner, makeup dada, like all of these people who were telling you different things. And you're just like, can I go to the toilet now? Is this, are we imminent? Can I, nobody knew what was going on. You had to sort of stand up and do the routine maybe three times and then send back to your room for seven hours. Yeah. But you constantly had to be on high alert. Like you couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> you had to basically run to the toilet and back because... You know, we couldn't go to. We never went to like the shops or anything. Could never go to the corner shop. No, 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 no. No, we weren't allowed Just to, were we? No, can't run away. And we weren't allowed to. Lots of rules. weren't allowed to speak to anyone else really, apart from us, were we? So no, not definitely not speak to any of the Indian male dancers, which was a crying shame because some of them were gorgeous. <laughs> um, and even though they couldn't speak the English, it was just nice to sort of you know converse. Um, we weren't even allowed to be friends with the Indian girl dancers, were we? Not really, no. Um, which was really sad because some of them are really lovely and they sort of, you, they expect us to go on long bus journeys and even fly, you know, all around India with these people, but not to make any connections. And it yeah. feels mean to be so, so flaky between like Indian people and Western people. It was horrible and we were all doing the same thing. Um, but I think they were, they were a bit lax when we flew to places like Bangalore and, um, like Bhubaneswar which is my least favourite place I've ever been to in my life um, but do you remember going to Bhubaneswar? I didn't go <laughs> well, on Christmas Christmas? No. Yeah, Christmas. oh yeah oh with the cockroaches in the room the cockroaches yeah the cockroaches <laughs> in the room and we sat this is my least favourite thing and I think I've been there for three weeks so I must have I must have applied for it in November and got there in December um, and we flew on Christmas Eve no, we flew on Christmas Day morning. We actually yeah. went, went out, didn't we, on Christmas Eve? Yeah, and we had them right, minging chicken sandwiches at the table. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know how we managed that. Um, yeah, and then had to have cheese sandwiches on Christmas Day. We waited for like four hours for our waiter to come and give us our order, even though we were the only people in the restaurant. Um, but it was the curfew was ridiculous. But at the same time, like imagine. I mean, Raj was our um, agent, wasn't he? Imagine having to control eight, was it eight or nine or ten? Um, do you know what? I'm sure there was at least nine of us at some, at nine, some stage. Yeah, 
imagine having to control if you got told now you had to control nine girls amazonian 20, like, <laughs> women 18 because there were some of us that, some of us not me some of the girls that were younger like 18 19 20 21 year olds oh, when God. we're a mere sort of seven minute ritual away from a bar yeah it, it must be it must be a nightmare and not only for him having those nervous thoughts of like oh my god what if they stay out too late what what if anything happens but his whole operation would have gone yeah thin air if something would have happened to us so I, I get the curfew I get it now I didn't get it at the time and I do get it now but I think it was just, I mean we didn't listen to it so <laughs> <laughs> yes we did Jess yes we did. <laughs> I don't know how we managed to be so sneaky about it. I know towards the end of my journey, <laughs> my adventure there, when mm-hmm. me and Laura were doing the IPL cheerleading, um, we just used to, we had it figured out. The last six weeks, we had to be at the IPL cheerleading studio every day, every single day, six weeks. And it would always finish really late and start really early. So what we used to do is we used to pay a rickshaw a bit more to drive up outside that bar, which I can't remember the name of now. We'd go in for like an hour and a half, have loads of drinks, and he'd just wait outside for us. And then we'd get back in the same rickshaw and drive back, absolutely steaming. Not we wouldn't drive back, that would be more weird. He drove back. And then the guard and Papu didn't know any difference. He just thought we were getting back from... Really? That is so sneaky and really clever. Do you remember that um shoot that we did in Bangkok when we we um that was a good one, wasn't it? There was literally yeah. hundreds of people on this set, and they flew us over to Bangkok, and we were all that excited, weren't we? We met loads of people, yeah. um, and we ended up going out, didn't we? And we ended up going out for the whole night, and we felt so we had to run back. Oh my god! It was just it is like it's very weird going from being in school and being living with your parents and obviously having rules and then being let loose at like university and college and then being on lockdown again oh, yeah. very, oh. very apt oh um, <laughs> but yeah so we didn't really handle it well but we I think we thought if we're going to go out we might as well go out until the wee hours of the morning so that nobody sees us but yeah looking back it may have been a little bit dangerous but I didn't think so at the time yeah you know we survived we're alive we did. So, we got paid really badly. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, really bad. I seem to remember, and I think I might have um, just exaggerated this in my head. You know, don't let uh, the truth get in the way of a good story. But I think I, um, I think we get paid like seven hundred fifty pounds a month. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really, really poor. Like considering we were working so many hours. Every, there was times that we were doing day shoots and then we got had to get into rituals and go to night shoots mm. and then day shoots and night shoots. And the shoots were always, what, four or five days max? And that's just to do one song. But they churn them out in Bollywood. It mm. is unbelievable how hard these people work. Like, everybody works. Not only the Bollywood stars, but, like, all of the cast and everything. Um the cameramen like it's it I, I mean I don't have much experience in Hollywood but um <laughs> you know I, I don't think they work as much as the as the Bollywood industry do they just absolutely and because they're doing everything everything's like a musical so every movie has sort of five or six songs in it um and they have to do it takes a week to do one song um 
But I think the, going on the cruise was probably one of my favourite. Yeah, times. I was going to ask you which is your favourite. That was definitely mine, wasn't it? That was so yeah, good. Yeah, that was a real, a real favourite time because um, we just I mean, there was a couple of days where we weren't filming and we just got to like lie out on the deck of this amazing cruise ship um, in the middle of Malaysia, just like yeah. cool. It was mental. We were on the cruise ship for about a, a month, weren't we? A month. No, not a month, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> a week, a week, sorry. Yeah, a week, a week, I think so. Oh, it was so much fun though, wasn't it? It was really fun. I'd be really interested to know what it's like now and see if it's... Yeah, see if it's the same. It's strict or like what, what kind of shows people are people doing. There was, cause there was a lot of girls that were doing live shows and we were, we were mainly doing films. Mm, yeah, um, I would like to have got to to do those live shows more but I always say this to the kids and I'm, I'm guessing that you probably feel the same that everyone should work abroad for at least six months oh definitely I just I don't even think it's um just in the dance industry I think every single human being yeah every single child say that to them, yeah. who's going into adulthood should go and work abroad in somewhere that they've never been before and I would recommend Southeast Asia or India like be safe don't like imagine yourself as a parent what you don't want your you know 20 like 18 year old to daughter to do but yeah going to work somewhere abroad is just such an eye-opener and and makes you you know it, it's not like you know a lot of people say oh I, I found myself in India and I didn't find myself in India <laughs> I was myself in India but you just you learn a lot more and it helps it puts you in good stead for the years to come that are, might that may be challenged but likely to be challenging um, but you're just, and without sounding um, like you're, you become a cocky person because you know I've been to India or wherever, and you feel like you're a better person. You're not a better person. Everybody's the same. But you just, you, you will have come across stuff by working in a different country that will help you challenge, you know, help you overcome the challenges that mm. uh, that might come up in in later life with, you know, and also learning how to connect with people who are so different to you. I think that was such a huge thing. I'd never been um, subject to people who weren't exactly like me, like all through dance school, all through high school, everybody, we were all the same. We were mm. identical. To go yeah. into India and meeting people from Australia and also India and, you know, wherever the hell you're from. Um, <laughs> <laughs> witness <laughs> one. <laughs> witness. <laughs> I was going to say the we're all, but that's not right. Is it? <laughs> no, no, that's Robin. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was. It's it, yeah. I loved it. I loved India. I have very very fond memories of India. Yeah, I know. I, I really want the kids like to do like cruise ships. So you get to travel around. Cruise ships are great for saving money as well because you don't pay tax. Oh, there you go, guys. There you go. So that's. Yeah, and to, to cruise ships are very competitive. I remember going for quite a few auditions, um, and they tend to want to keep the same people on the ships uh, for as long as possible. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd highly recommend going on a cruise if anyone can stomach the seasickness and being in a potentially small cabin for six months. <laughs> it's an amazing way to see the world, and it will sort of give you a taste of places that you didn't think you'd want to go, but actually you do want to go back because you only get to spend sort of the day, maybe sometimes a day and, and a night on a in a place um, you that you're docking in with your ship, so you don't, really, you know, it's not proper like proper traveling where you have a rucksack and you're in hostels and stuff. But it is a, it's a much nicer way of of traveling to some people. Yeah, and um, there is a big, 
a big wide dance world out there. It's not just the UK and that's it. There's loads no. of places that you can dance, loads. And yeah, perform. and I'd say that the uh, if anyone, um, it, uh, yeah, I just highly recommend India. I think everyone should. Yeah, me should too. Have a go in India, but don't don't let it. Don't let. Um, yeah, don't let, don't let people don't let people bring you down. If you want to go and do, you know, you can literally dance anywhere in the world. I went on and did a contract. Remember, I was a contract in Singapore. Oh yeah, dance in Singapore. Dance at a Bollywood club. I went from Bollywood superstar to working <laughs> in a Bollywood club in a basically in a supermarket. It was lovely, <laughs> but it was just about what I gained from it, which was having a great time and saving some money and then I got to travel around Cambodia afterwards which was the best yeah yeah contracts abroad are just divine they are they change don't they I think I was really spoiled before I left for India and I just was a bit stuck in a rut didn't really know what I was doing and you know I I, I remember being 21 and working in this school and I was just like what am I doing and then this contract came up and I was like this is this is definitely what I need to do and it changes yeah. your outlook on everything because we have so much over here. We're so lucky. Like the poverty over there is so sad. There's so yeah. many sick children and children on the streets, women on the streets, isn't there? And it's really, yeah. it's hard to take in. And But they can't do enough for you, Indian people, can they? Like they always wanted to chat to us and always wanted to feed you as well, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's such a lovely trait of, of Indian people, I think. And also, I was always amazed, even when I got back from India a month ago, still amazed at how like, beautifully bright all the women are. Like, not men, but the women just dressed in these like amazing clothes, amazing saris, so brightly coloured, even though they're working in fields and doing, you know, on the side of the roads, they're still, like, smiling and just looking so bright and amazing. Yeah. And they're just, yeah, really, met some really beautifully kind people in India that I'll never forget, for sure. Yeah. Oh, such fond memories. Hello. So moving on to um, your life now then, Jess, tell us about your school in London. So um, I am co-director of a uh, school in London called Funky Moves. Um, it's sort of a, more of a dance company than it is a dance school. And it uh, was started by my dear friend Alice about 15 years ago. Um, and she was an amazing contemporary teacher and sort of commercial teacher, uh, dancer, sorry, commercial dancer and contemporary dancer. Um, I can't remember what she said to me the other day that she was in someone's music video that I really knew. Calvin Harris? I can't remember. Anyway, um, she wanted to create a, a basically work for herself that didn't involve going working in a call centre because that was just heart-wrenching for her. So she started to do private classes, um, teaching sort of funky street dance for kids. So it's sort of, it's commercial, it's hip-hop, it's a bit of everything. It's basically just like modern, but not jazz, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so all to current songs, all really high energy, um, and not just to create something to get kids moving and teaching them to dance, obviously, but the majority of our the kids that she had then and we have now don't want to go and be dancers, uh, which is quite weird for me who's who's grown up in a dance school miss caroline's dance school where everybody most 
people wanted to go and do something to do with dancing, they wanted to go to dance school, that was the next logical step. Whereas with Funky Moves, these kids just want to have a good time. They just want to come and be encouraged to let loose, throw some shapes on the dance floor, feel confident in how they're moving their bodies, you know, learn some moves, learn some routines, sure. But, you know, build connections with friends. And and the main thing is to build their confidence, which is so important in little people. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it's just great. I'm really, really proud to be a part of it. And it's just to help. The the motto is sharing the joy of dance, which although may sound a little bit cheesy, is, um, is basically our mission between you know me and the directors and all the teachers is to just share this amazing euphoric thing that we can do with our bodies to music whether you're really good or really bad it actually doesn't matter as long as you just put some music on really loudly and move your body it will make you feel good i promise you yeah um, and so tell us about because I, I really want you to do some um you know w- which we discussed the breathing techniques because you've just done the oh, yoga yeah. course in india yes so there's some great ones and the, the way that we were taught in India uh, in our yoga course is that your breath is the first thing. And this is and recently, kind of, by the way, not 10 years ago. <laughs> it was, what did you say? I said this was recently when you went to India, not 10 yeah, years ago, doing uh-huh. yoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I was there a couple of, <laughs> I was there a couple of months ago. Um, the sort of your breath is the first thing and it's the first thing to get affected when you your sympathetic nervous system is in that fight or flight mode so when like something stresses you out your breath is the first thing that will be affected because you're you'll start to like hyperventilate um and when you're and it can really affect your your mood so if you're deep thinking um and you're quite relaxed you're normally deep breathing quite deeply but you you won't necessarily be aware of it and what these breathing techniques are really good at the main thing is not just teaching you how to breathe it's making you realize how your breath is acting without you knowing it subconsciously, if you see what I mean. Um, and everybody knows that when you get really nervous, your breath tends to go like right up in the chest and you ha- always have to remember to deep belly breathe from the bottom of your abdomen, which is like one of the main things to so breathe with the whole of your torso. That's um, but a really good breathing technique, and it's going to sound a bit namby-pamby uh, because the reason why you have... So you've got two sides of your bodies, basically, uh, and that comes up to your brain. So you've got the right hemisphere and the, and the left um, hemisphere. And the right side of your brain is connected to the left-hand side of your torso. Okay, so it sort of like diagonally goes across to the other side. Um, and the right-hand side of your body is like is the sun, and the left-hand side is the moon. And the right-hand side is a very, like, practical thinker. It's the one that, like, that will be reactive when you're, um, you're thinking about numbers um, and sort of, like, science-y stuff. <laughs> you can tell I'm not a right-side person. And your <laughs> left-hand side of your body is the more emotional side, which is why it's the moon. It's very calm. Um, and what's a really fun thing to do is you can work out what side is more open um, in your body by working out what side of your nostril is more blocked. So if you take your, your thumb and your index finger up to your nose and you just close one nostril and try and breathe through one side and then close the other nostril and try and breathe through the other side. So at the moment, my left-hand side nostril, which which side is yours? Which side is more blocked for you? Left. Your left more blocked, which means, which isn't, which it sounds like it should be right, your right-hand side is more open. Your right-hand side is the sun, is the more practical, um, is the practical side. So it means that you're, 
if you ever have a big decision to make, you should always make sure that you're either, either your nostrils are equally open or that your left-hand side is open more because that's your emotional side, the deep thinking side. So you should never make a decision with your you know, sort of knee-jerk reaction on your right-hand side, if you see what I mean. So at the moment, my left side is totally bunged up and my right side is is open like yours. Um, so that's a really good way to sort of test out where you are and have a have a sort of, you know, in-depth look at what where your body is feeling today because, you know, you might not be able to feel it all the time. You know, we don't even know what's going on in our brains the whole time. Um, and a really yeah. good uh, way to calm yourself down is breathing with retention and it's alternate nostril breathing so taking your thumb and your index finger up to your nose um, and breathing in through the left hand side and then blocking it and then breathing out through the left to the right hand side and then breathing in through the right hand side and then blocking it and breathing out through the left hand side and once you've done that a few times and you've really breathed deeply you can then practice it with retention so that's when you breathe in with your, always start with your left-hand side breath. Breathe with your left-hand side, block your nose, and then hold it for a count of three, and then let it out through the right nostril, and then hold that for a count of three and repeat. Um, breathing with retention is so, so amazing for your lungs. It's really good to cool your nervous system. Um, it's just amazing for your body all over, so that's a really good way to calm yourself down. And also another one which is brilliant to do in the morning, and it, it don't, don't do this if you're pregnant or if you've got high blood pressure um, or any, anything like that. Or if you've got, oh, there's other lists, like if you've got hernia or, or anything like that, don't do this. But if you're, if you're seemingly well, um, this is a really good one to do in the morning. And it's a good way to expel all the CO2, all the carbon dioxide that's come into your body during the night time. It's called capillary breathing. And what you do with capillary breathing is it's an active exhale and a passive inhale. And the main aim of this, aesthetically, it should look like you're being punched in the stomach. So your tummy is doing all the work contracting and releasing. So it's not coming from up high in your chest. It's coming right down from your abs. And you go, um, you've got to breathe in fully through your nose, breathe out fully through your nose, and then breathe in halfway through your nose, keeping your lips closed. And you just do a, can you hear that? Yeah. It's like you're sniffing out really forcefully and don't worry about the inhale because your body will do that naturally and you can do that through your nose and then if you make if you purse your lips together and make a tiny little hole in your lips you can do the same with your lips it's best to probably do your lips first and then your nose and on your final one do it for maybe 30 30 breaths on your final one really truly exhale all of that out and then just breathe in really deeply and slowly and that will really calm your nervous system and and it also heats up your muscles and your body as well so it's a good one if you ever want to do before in the morning if you want to do before meditation or after a yoga practice before meditation it's really good and just take a few moments to focus on how deeply you're breathing um and whether you're using you know your abs and your lungs and your chest not just you know breathing shallowly at the top shallowly is that a word (laughs) breathing quite shallow i'm going to say shallowly is a word because it's nice to say in the mouth <laughs> wow, I'm feeling so zen right now, Jess. After all that, yeah, it's nice. It gives you, like, especially the couple of party breathing, because it's based you're hyperventilating, which is you're sort of teaching your body what not to do before you're teaching it what to do. It gives you a bit of a, a high because you're it, you're going so quickly and breathing so um, yes yeah, with such pace 
that the after effects of doing Kapalabhati breathing, if you do it for a couple of rounds, is just this like beautiful sort of swimming through the air kind of feeling. Yeah. And you sort of take that into your day, which is really nice and chilled. Yeah, it's brilliant advice as well. I really wanted Jess to talk about that because not only when you, you know, if you go in on stage and kids get stage fright or, you know, for competitions, it's everyday life. There's everyone yeah. gets nervous in a number of situations whether it's if you've got you know a school friend that you fell out with and you're really stressing out about seeing them or you've had an argument with your mom or you know at the moment you know everyone is a little bit tense with this situation we don't know when it's going to end and just little things like this just um breathing techniques um I like a coping mechanism really isn't it definitely and what's great about doing um doing practices like yoga is that you'll always breathe first before you do the posture or before you do the movement. And I always have felt, ever since I started to do yoga maybe four years ago, but that that should be, in. you should learn that in everyday life. But if you feel like you want to do something or you want to react to something or, um, yeah, like if, someone, if, you want to, if you feel like you need to bite at something because somebody said something you don't like, just breathe first yeah. and then react because it's, it's so important to not... You can really get yourself in a bit of a pickle if you... And, and, and people, of course, like, everybody reacts differently and some people are much naturally calmer than the others, but it doesn't mean that they're not going through torment in their heads. But just... If you can just remember to breathe first, and especially, yeah, after arguments with parents, before going on stage is a big one, if you just take a moment... And you'll find that most... Most people who are very used to going on stage a lot, so like comedians, singers and stuff, will still be have you will still have five minutes at the side of stage before they go on where they will need to be left by themselves to do their ritual of calming themselves down. Yeah. Doing their breathing technique. And it, it's the reason why they do it is because it works. And especially the alternate nostril breathing is something that I found so, so helpful when it's you know, it's feeling a bit tense in the family household. Somebody said something you don't like. Just give yourself a second. Go and sit on the toilet or sit on your bed and just breathe deeply. And it's just, it's transformative. It makes you feel so much calmer. Yeah. Oh, Jess, that's, this has literally been so amazing. We've covered so much. We're going to have to round it up because this is the most I've talked on the podcast. We could just oh, talk for hours. Thank you. <laughs> world record it's like our voice notes we're trying to outdo each other every voice note aren't we lately 13 minute voice notes are getting out of hand (laughs) so much love there jess that's why i know i know and obviously we've got so much to talk about sitting in our houses all day i know i know i'm amazed you talk for this long (laughs) (laughs) oh well thanks so much and obviously i will speak to you very soon and yeah, give love to all of your lovely students and your fam. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been a pleasure. Oh, well, I'll speak to you very soon, Jess. And speak to you soon. Stay safe. You too. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed this week's podcast and you took away all the fabulous breathing techniques and tips from Jess into your day-to-day. Life can be really up and really down sometimes and it can be unpredictable with all this extra time especially we do tend to overthink 
So all of these top tips will hopefully help you when you are feeling anxious, nervous, frustrated, or you're simply just having a bad day. Anyway, guys, have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can tune in next week for another fabulous chat with my next exciting guest. Bye.